Hello, amazing, beautiful ladies. You are listening to the Igbo Women's Initiative podcast with Ugochi Onyewu. I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to the Igbo Initiative podcast, where we celebrate all things Igbo. We speak to amazing women in different walks of life who are either Igbo or who are friends of Igbo culture. Today's amazing guest on the show is Chinere Ukono Nzekwu, known as Chini. Chini grew up in a strict Catholic household. She was the only girl in a house with five brothers, so she learned to fight for what belonged to her from an early age. She is the very definition of tenacity and daring and earned the name Small But Mighty. Chini is the founder and CEO of QCare Inc., QCare is a home health provider registered with the Maryland Department of Health Developmental Disabilities Administration. I love the way that Chinny takes us through her journey to where she is today. By doing so, she proves that every individual has a unique path to their purpose and success. In today's episode, we uncover so many life nuggets as Chinny walks us through her life story. One nugget stands out to me in particular. Chini says that there is enough for everyone, dismissing the need for competition. I loved this chat because we get to see different facets of who Chini is. She is a fashionista, an extrovert, a homebody. She's driven and curious, to name but a few. We discuss life's transition as Chini prepares to become an empty nester with one boy in college and the other in high school. Finally, Asparapos, which means we're both from Oweri in Imo state. <laughs> we have fun with our dialect of Igbo language. Hey, Chini, good morning. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. You know, I think this is going to be a really fun discussion. Um, I'm going to get to know you a little bit better than I do already. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really great to have you. Hey, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think it'd be fun too. Yeah. So, of course, we're going to start. The audience would love to get to know you a little bit better. So I'm just going to have you just kind of talk, you know, talk about your childhood, maybe reminisce so we can get a a glimpse into who you are, you know, talk about where you grew up, where are you from, what part of Igbo land. Talk to us a little bit about your childhood, some of your fondest memories. Just talk. I'm just going to let you just go with it. So. Oh, certainly. Well, childhood-wise, um, I was born in Enugu, and I grew up predominantly in Enugu, went to a Kulu primary school, which was uh, the, the school to be, the, mm-hmm. the, the elementary school to be at the time. I attended a Kulu primary school, and then when the, following the division of uh, the state, the, I went back to, we went back to Imo State, which I hated because then I had to leave all my friends behind, mm. didn't know anyone there, uh, didn't know anyone in Oweri. We seldom went back except for Christmas. And then now I had to like, we had to like um, go back to Oweri. Mm. So that uh, was really, you know, one part of my life that I, I remember not liking very much. But as children, uh, I adjusted very quickly. 
social butterfly, you know, mm-hmm. started a new school, adjusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, born into a family of sex. Mm-hmm. I am the only girl. I tell people that I have, uh, yeah, there are five dudes and one chick. Mm. Uh, <laughs> mm. Mm. So uh, I grew up uh, the fourth child, and uh, honestly, I nobody really babied me as much because um, I don't know. I just fought my way through everything. I didn't <laughs> want the guys to have their ways, and you know, because I was a girl, you know, they thought they could bully me and mm. stuff, and I just refused that for that to, mm. to happen. So um, I was right in there with the guys and duking it out. So. You know, that's pretty much how I grew up. My parents are were very strict, mm. staunch Catholics, very mm. strict. Mm. Uh, but somehow I managed to just be generic, uh, you know, um, doing my own thing and uh, getting in trouble every now and then. But uh, all in all, you know, I, I, I think uh, the lessons I learned from them was uh, I approve. I, I, I really appreciate it today when I sit back and look mm. at life then and what they were trying to teach me mm. and what I'm trying to teach my children now. I, I do appreciate where they were coming from. Mm. Well, fast forward to college days. I went to, I attended a Ware Girls Primary, uh, sorry, Ware Girls Secondary School, mm-hmm. which was the elite secondary school at the time mm-hmm. in, in Oweri. Mm-hmm. Anyone who was anyone went to Oweri Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, I think it was in my second year of Oweri Girls, they wanted me to uh, go to federal Oweri. Mm-hmm. But then the catch was that I had to, you know, start from form one. I said, oh, wow. what do you mean? And you said, well, you know, you drop a year and just start from form one. I said, well, no. Hmm. <laughs> to hell with that. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I'm going to stay here and where it goes and finish out. And uh, I'm glad I did. Mm. Um, so, you know, right after uh, high school, I meddled a lot in, in um, I had a year stint in the basic studies, trying to, you know, um, take the jam and do this and do that and kind of figure life out. Mm. And then shortly after that, I actually came for a vacation here uh, to the United States and just never went back. Interesting. So, you know, let me take you back a little bit. So you are from Oweri in Imo State, correct? Mm-hmm. I am from Oji Oweri in Imo Oji. State. Yeah. Oji, you know, that's so interesting because my grandfather was from Oji before he moved to, well, my great-grandfather actually, before he moved to Oweri town. So, yeah, oh, we, wow. are, we okay. are what you would call yeah. Arapos. <laughs> so, <laughs> actually, I, I, I call it it's it's Oji, not Oji. Okay. You know, OG is more, I'm trying to funkify it a little yes, bit. But yes, yes. But it's OG, worry. yeah. Uh, interesting. So do you speak Igbo? And would you say that you speak more of the Enugu dialect or did you learn the Oweri dialect? No, I've always known both, as a matter of mm. fact, because mm. I grew up in Enugu, so I can speak the Anambra dialect and kick it with any Anambra person very, very well. Mm. And then when I see my Oweri people, oh my God, I delve into it without even thinking. <laughs> and I enjoy it. I enjoy speaking Oweri language. Yes. I speak it very well yes. and very, very proud of the dialect. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting. We have some time at the end. I'd love to... To have some fun with that because you're right. I speak Central Igbo. It's very rare that I get to speak, unless with my mother-in-law, because obviously uh, my husband's from Oweri as well. It's very rare yeah. for me to speak Oweri, so I look forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. 
So, you know, you talked about going to Oware Girls Secondary School, and we're going to talk a little bit about your move to the U.S., because I'm really excited to talk about what, what it is you do now. Do you have any fond memories from school that you can talk to us about? Yeah, I mean, the... <laughs> There's always, uh, high school in Nigeria is a lot of fun, especially mm. when you live in a boarding house, because mm. that's where, you know, some of these long-term friendships are formed. That's where some of uh, what you carry out into the world beyond the high school, you know, that's where they're formed. Mm. Um, I think uh, for me, it was exciting. I was in between, though. I wasn't always a, a, a boarding student. Um, I, I think from my form two to like three, I was a boarding student, but then I was so homesick. I went back home and I was always very sickly. I went mm. back home and started being a day student. And then, uh, between my form four and form five, I went back into boarding school because that was during the time that we were going to take the West African um, examination. Mm-hmm. So I needed to be around uh, the school and needed to be around that study habit mm. in order to, uh, take that exam. Mm. So as far as, you know, going to school, it was because it was an elite kind of secondary school, um, everything was plush for us. Mm. Um, It was, uh, at the time, there was a lot of money in the government to Mm. pour into a state school. Mm. So we had that. We had, uh, you know, the debating societies, we, and I was always forefront on most of these things. <laughs> I was in debating, I was a girl guide, I was in all of these societies that just happened, just was completely a social butterfly. Mm-hmm. So it'd be hard for you to tell someone who was around my set or below me, or even a set directly above me and mention my name and nobody would, you know, that, and they wouldn't know about me. Mm-hmm. That, that, that would be very difficult. Mm-hmm. So, but that's what I enjoyed because again, it's also my personality. My personality is one that sociable and, you know, so around high school, it was just a lot of fun, just having fun and working hard. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's funny that you talk about it being your personality and being a little bit of a social butterfly and being at the forefront, because that's kind of how I see you, right? And he kind of got to know you a little bit here in the U.S. So that's interesting. That's a great way to kind of segue into your journey um, to the U.S. So you started to talk about that. Maybe you can talk us through how you came to the U.S. Maybe just talk us through what it is that you do now. Sure. So um, like I said, I came here on a, a vacation. It was a long vacation in the summer and I came here and my brothers were already in the U.S. Two of my brothers were in the U.S. They lived in New Jersey at the time. And uh, when I arrived, I just never went back. I just didn't want to go back. I remember my brother saying, well, when are you going to go back? You know, what time do you have so we can do your shopping and get you ready? And Mm. in my mind, I'm saying, oh, no, this is not the vision I have. (laughs) You know, this is not part of my plan. My plan is not to go back, but he Mm. just didn't know it. Mm. But I remember my brother, um, you know, he, he was he didn't really want me to stay here because he felt that America was too difficult mm. for his little sister. Mm. And he didn't want his little sister to have to like do this menial jobs and suffer through it and mm. all of that. But what he forgot was that I fought my way through everything with them, mm. you know, that I was tough. He forgot that tough part of me little. Mm. They used to call me small but mighty. Mm. You know, I was mm. tiny, but I mm. was also 
in it to win it, mm. you know? Mm. So, and finally I said to him, I said, Hey, listen, let's, I, I'm not ready to go back and I don't want to go back. And, um, and he said, what do you mean? I said, exactly what I just said. <laughs> I'm not going mm. to go back. So as he was like trying to, um, fight that with me, I already, I found this job at Burger King. <laughs> I found this job at Burger King and I started going to work. Mm. From that job at Burger King, I registered myself at Middlesex County College mm. so I could take classes. Mm. And then I, I registered with a, you know, a focus of criminal justice. You know, uh, my focus was criminal justice. So, and at some point he just gave up and I, life continued. Fast mm. forward a few years after that, mm. I uh, graduated from uh, King College, which is King University now. Oh, right. New Jersey. Okay. okay. I lived in New Jersey. Yes. Okay. Okay. At the time, um, graduated from King and I, I studied um, crim- uh, political science with a minor in criminal justice. Mm. And I thought mm. I was going to go to law school. Mm. But then I, I saw my friends that, were, <laughs> that went to law school, they were all stressed out trying to take the bar. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. some of them were successful, some of them weren't successful. Yeah. I, I, no, 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 I don't want this. I don't want this stress. <laughs> I, mm. I don't want to deal with this. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, I'm going to go do a master's program. So I, at this time, I was working with uh, Prudential. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I want Prudential to pay for this mm-hmm. master's program. But the only way Prudential will pay for the master's program if it were health-related. Only if it were health-related. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to figure this out. I don't mm-hmm. want to do health anything. Mm-hmm. It's not part of what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do I make sure that, you know, they pay for my grad school and what, how is this going to be a win-win mm. for me and for them? So I, I got an M, a, a master's, an MPA in public administration mm. with, with a minor in health management. Ah, okay. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Okay, okay. Okay. So my master's is in public administration and I have a tang of health management mm-hmm. and that was the only way Prudential would pay for it. Mm-hmm. So, and then I was managing benefits, doing a lot of, a lot of that. And I was working in um, the healthcare field. Mm-hmm. Fast forward again, a few years later, um, I applied for a job with Oracle. I needed to change careers. Mm-hmm. I was hungry. Mm. I wanted to make money. You know, I wanted to have hundred people make the six figure mm. salary. At this point, I was like, what, 20, 25, 26, mm. maybe. Mm. Like, how do people make the six figure salary? You know, mm. and I, and that was the boom of the IT industry yep. at the time. So mm-hmm. I applied to Oracle and Oracle had this uh, human resources uh, module mm-hmm. of which one of it in, in yes. that human resources module, yes. uh, health benefits was one of them. Yeah. HCM. Yes, I know it. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I spawned my resume, spawned my um, experience to fit whatever it was that they were looking for. <laughs> and that afternoon I got a call. I had a call. I had an interview in Cleveland. They flew me out to Cleveland. Right after the interview in Cleveland, right on the spot, they made me an offer. Great. That's so great. Yes. And they made me an offer. And um, 
They made me an offer of 70000 at the time, mm-hmm. which I hadn't seen in my entire <laughs> life. Really. Exactly. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I called my brother, the same brother who wanted me in who's also my mentor, by the way. Mm. I called him. I said, oh, my God, this is what's going on. They just made me an offer. Um, the, you know, they gave me 70, blah, blah, blah. Mm. You know, and he goes, well, are you going to negotiate that? I said, what? Yeah. What? yeah. <laughs> like, negotiate what? I'm like so excited that yeah. it was even 70. I mean, yeah. this is somebody that was coming from like a 45, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. yeah. So he was like, yeah, I negotiated. About, you know, so I said, okay, let me try. I said, well, you know, that I was looking more like for 75. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they said, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a title of a senior consultant. Mm. Oh my God, flew mm. me back. And I came back and that's how my career, my job with Oracle changed my life. Mm. Let, me, let me backtrack again to while I was in college. During um, when I was trying to get my master's degree, I did a thesis on group homes in New Jersey. And, and the population that I, I wrote about was uh, people with disabilities. Group mm. home for people with disabilities. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to park that for now. Yes. And that's interesting. I love that you brought that up because I'm trying to make the connection mm-hmm. between Oracle um, and the career at Oracle and what it is that you do now. So maybe you can kind of help us connect those dots. Talk us through that. So I, so I worked in IT for quite a bit, did a lot of the big fives or big sixes whoever, however many they were at the time, um, Oracle to KPMG before they became very important, mm-hmm. um, to Buzale, mm-hmm. uh, Grant Thornton, Capgemini, mm-hmm. and these were all IT-related, mm-hmm. uh, IT strategy kind of work mm-hmm. and very successful in it. Mm-hmm. I worked for Capgemini for about 10 years, mm-hmm. and then hmm, I was I uh, selling my house. I was selling my uh, townhouse. Mm. During the um, during the the boom, the real estate boom. Mm. So obviously, you know, made a lot of profit from it. And I said, hmm, I'd like to do something with this money that's going to yield back. Because it, knowing me, if it sits in the bank account, it will be in Bloomingdale's. It will be in tax. <laughs> it will be in the market. <laughs> yes, yes, I know me. Yeah. So I said, you know, I have to be very prudent about how yes, I, yes. I manage this profit. Yeah, I love that word. And prudent. I was mm-hmm. <laughs> prudent about how I manage this mm-hmm. profit. So mm-hmm. I was speaking to a friend of mine in California. She was in California at the time. And to her, I give this credit in a way. And I said, you know, I have this money and I'm trying to do something with it, but I don't know what business to go into. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. She said, well, you could go into fashion. I said, no. Mm. It's such a, you know, it's such a long road to victory. Yes, it and is. I, I, yeah, and I don't know that it's so cutthroat. I don't know that I, I want to make that investment and lose it all. She was like, hmm, there's a lot of things going on in like LA. You know, people are opening up group homes. Have you thought about that? Mm. I said, group home? I said, what do you mean? Mm. She goes, people have group homes. They're different group homes for different things. Why mm. don't you get into that? I was like, well, yeah. I mean, besides what I wrote in my thesis, I had no idea how mm. to run one or what to mm. do or, mm. you know, any, anything like that. Mm. She's like, well, you know, they make a lot of money. They do this. They do that. I'm like, mm, of course, I saw the dollar signs, right? Mm. So I was like, okay, I'm going to look into it. So I started the research. 
and I, I went back to my thought process during my thesis, which been like so many years back. And um, I went and I started researching that the, the department that handles it, the population I wanted to um, serve, how I wanted to do it, and, you know, and I just started putting it together and started mm. applying. Mm. And it was a lot of hard work to set it up. Mm. Um, mm. So I applied sent in all the paperwork, did all the policies and procedures and um, what have you, and um, they issued the license to us. Mm. And um, when they issued the license to us, we started, we opened our first home with no client. Mm. And it was kind of difficult mm. because at this point, you know, um, my husband and I, we had bought this home to mm. run this business. Mm. And this home was not making money yet. Mm. And we had just built our house and moved in. Mm. I, I, I didn't know, or we didn't know, that you didn't have to buy the house until you bought your first client. Mm. So here we were paying mortgage in both houses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And by the time we finished paying each mortgage, right, our bills for the month, we would probably have like 500 less than $500 left in our account to play mm. with. Mm. So it was difficult. Mm. And a couple of times, I, several times I wanted to just give it up. Mm. But for some reason, God wanted me to stay in it. Mm. Because each time I, I said, okay, well, you know, we're done. Let's just, you know, abandon this and move on. God will make something work. Mm. Mm. He will give us a, a miracle. Mm. that will make us continue to stay. Yes, yes. And, you know, I love that you bring that up. But before we talk a little bit more about that, I'm really excited to delve into that. Maybe you can just take a step back for the audience and talk to us about what your uh, group home is for. So who does it service and what is it about? Just to give us that idea. So the group home is for the, our target population um, is the uh, developmentally disabled adults in Maryland. Mm. Notice that I said adults because, mm. you know, there, there are some agencies that service children. Mm. But adults in Maryland, and the way they qualify adults is 22 years and up. Mm. So that is the population that we serve. Okay. These are people who are developmentally disabled, and that is qualified as developmental disability that that uh, began or manifested in the person in the individual in, before they they turned uh, i think age of eight or ten okay I, okay got sure. it mm -hmm. so is it residential or do they just come is it a day program okay so i have the residential arm of it mm. where we have the homes that they live in and we also have what we call personal supports where, you know, we have people go out to their homes and provide the service. I see. Okay. Huh. And so how long have you been doing the, 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 the group homes? When did you start? We got licensed in 2007 and I got my first client in 2008. 
Good for you. So you've been going. <laughs> so going back to the, the wanting to give up, you've been in this, what now, this 2019, so 11 years. Oh, yeah. So somehow you've made it through, right? <laughs> That's cool. I made it through and I am so, it is one of those things, one of the jobs that I have that is so fulfilling to me. Yes. It is, I am so excited about it. I give it everything I have. I, the, the population that I serve, my clients are near and dear to me. Mm. I don't know that I could have done anything that gives me so much passion mm. the way this does. Mm. You know, one of the things that I love about um, doing this podcast, you know, even though I speak to different women who do different things, I love talking mm-hmm. through their journey because it, it, it shows me the same theme. You know, it's like when you started out, right? From worry girls, you never thought to yourself, oh, I want to grow up and own group homes. You know what I mean? It's like somehow just taking those different steps within your journey have ended uh, with you being exactly where you're supposed to be. And I think it's just such an awesome story. I I just think it's great. I just, I love it. You know, I just wanted to put that out there. (laughs) Thank you. Gina, what are some of the things that you wish you'd known when you started out? Like now, of course, you've been in it 11 years, so you've learned a lot along the way. What would you have done differently or what do you wish you'd known when you first thought, oh, you know what, I'm going to start a group home? You know what I mean? I don't know how I'm going to answer that. Okay. But, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Maybe course. I wouldn't have bought the house, the other yeah, house that, yeah. you know, probably drained us. I would have, I, but I did ask questions though, you know, because mm. I don't know that I could have done anything different. I yeah, asked a lot okay. of questions and, and, um, and I reached out to people that I knew were in this business, but, you know, it, it's funny because a lot of them don't, didn't want to share. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I, I had to figure it out. I had to, you know, make mistakes along the way to learn. Mm. I, I had to, when I sent in my policies and procedures to, to get licensed, they sent it back like twice, mm. you know, but they sent it back telling me what to correct. Mm-hmm. So see mm-hmm. what that's how I learned, and I continued to do that because I didn't get any. It was difficult. I didn't get any help from anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, to say, okay, this is how you do it. This is how you write it. This is how you, you know, submit it. This is mm-hmm. the kind of thing you need to write. Mm-hmm. I finally, you know, asking for help and not getting it. I finally said to myself, what? This mm-hmm. is what I do. For, this is what I do for my clients. Mm-hmm. I write their concept of operation. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a stab at this. And what's mm-hmm. the worst that can happen? They say no. Mm-hmm. Right? Again, mm-hmm. this is me being daring. Because like, that's my personality again. I am very daring. So mm-hmm. I started writing it. And then I used to be, used to do a lot of travel. You know, as a consultant, I would, you know, I, I travel on Monday and come back on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So in the hotel room, in the airplane, I'm writing, I'm yes. typing and doing all kinds of stuff. Yes. So it was, it was that journey, mm. you know. Mm. Mm. And I, you know, I love how you said no one wanted to help. And it's actually the, what I'm taking from what you're saying. I mean, I know, of course, 
when you kind of go to someone who's done something that you want to do and you learn from them, it cuts out a lot of the learning process. But sometimes with this journey, it's like you have to just go through it yourself, right? And learn it by trial and error. And, and you know, but with that said, though, if someone were to come to you today and say, oh, you know what, I want to start a group home, what would you say to them? What would come oh, uh, uh, oh, no, no, I have, and uh, you know, that has happened, and I have uh, uh, put myself out there, I have helped out, I've given, and I have directed, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I'll tell you the good part of it, and I'll tell you the not so good part of it. It's yeah. a lot of work initially, but it's a kind of business once you set it up, and you have your, um, your controls in place. It will run pretty much itself with minimal uh, input from you. Mm, mm, all you need is get the clients in and you have your controls, your measures in place, your processes in place. It, it goes, mm. you know. So I have helped people. And mm. honestly, because I knew that I didn't like that when I was getting the no, I can't, you know, or people would not even return my calls or they'd see me and at a function and avoid me, you know, things <laughs> like that. I knew, I knew I didn't like that and I knew I didn't want to be that way. Mm, yeah, yeah. But there's enough, there's, especially in this business that I'm in, there's enough for everyone. You yes. know what I mean? It's not, yes. you know, no, it's, it, it's not a competition. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. you do mm-hmm. what you do. I do what I do. Mm. There's enough for everyone. Mm. So I, I didn't understand why there was that mm, can't share, can't mm. do this. But, mm. you know, but what it did, it, you know, what it did, there was a positive side to it because it made me understand it because I had to learn it. Mm-hmm. I had to write it myself. Mm-hmm. I had to do the research myself so i understood the business it gave me i went through the learning process and that's what guided me with my first client Mm. and throughout Mm, I love what you said about there's enough for everyone. That's so true. You know, I, it, it's, it's coming from a place of yes. self-confidence and assurance, right? That it's not a competition. Right. I love that. I love that. I love that. Yes. Tell me, Chini, and I, and I will make the, the, your information about your group homes and your information. When we get to the end, I'll ask you how people can reach out to you if they have questions. And in the show notes, I'll make that available so people can learn a little bit more. Um, but I wanted to ask you, just switching gears a little bit, having fun, and based on what I know of you, uh, we'll start off by asking, what, what, what are you curious about? What have you not figured out that you still want to figure out, whether it's about the home health business or whether it's about life? Just talk to us a little bit, because I'd like the audience to get to know a little bit more about your personality. Well, um, I, I'm, I'm in a different phase of my life right now with the, my first kid in college Mm. trying to figure that out and we're trying to navigate that and one that is also in um that is in high school Mm. um also trying to remap our lives here as it's Mm. evolving and changing Mm. um and i'm trying to see okay when they all leave home what next for me um and, and and I'm trying to figure out what is what's my next passion. You know, I am doing one passion right now. This passion is because I just love what it does. I just love the fact that it puts smile on people's faces. They're happy. I am giving back. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Plus, I'm making money on top of mm-hmm. it. So 
kudos to that and thank mm-hmm. God for that. You know, I'm also trying to do other things that are that 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 I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about fashion. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I am passionate about. You know, I like to dress up. I, I'm probably not going to do anything with the fashion thing as far as trying to make money. No, that's probably not going to happen. Mm. Because I, you know, I, someone like me would probably get high on my own supplies, so I may, I may never make money. <laughs> I may never make money from that. So I am looking at how do I, how do I just what else can I do? You know, where else can I go? Mm. Um, as my kids are coming out and they're going to be finishing college, what kind of legacy am I going to leave behind? Yeah. Or are we going to leave behind? Mm-hmm. Um, I also have to marry that to what they want to do because I don't want to take it for granted that they're going to take over this business someday. Yeah, right? that's true. Because they mm-hmm. may not want to do that. Right. So what happens and what is it that I want to do? And honestly, you know, I, I continue to, Pray to God for guidance. I don't mm. know. Mm. I put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. I just continue to let God guide me. That's yes. It. I love it. I love that. Putting one foot in, in front of the other and just trusting God for his guidance. I mean, there have been some, a lot of references in this chat with you to faith, which I love, you know, because at the end of the day, we don't have control over the future, but yeah. he does, right? And just trusting him. I, I love that you brought that up uh it's funny that you talked about fashion because that's kind of <laughs> what i th- whatever if anyone were to say to me Chinere, i would think fashion i would think designer labels i would think you know you have a lot of personality with your fashion to your point about loving to dress up would you say that's yeah. your favorite thing to do outside of business yes yeah, just, indeed yeah that's what i would that's what yes, i would yes said. indeed yes indeed <laughs> i like to you know i mean i like i, I like to look good you know, I, I like to, you know, and I like the designer labels, but I, you know, I don't go crazy over them. Mm. Um, and, but, you know, but I, I like to put, I like to get fashionable on a dime as well. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I have my cheap pieces that if, when I rock them, they look like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. I have my expensive pieces that, you know, okay, maybe I got them for a good deal. I'm always bargain shopping, by the way. I got them for a good deal and, you know, I'm happy wearing them. Mm. But, you know, generally, I like to dress up. I like to look good. Mm. I enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. So, you know, following on from that, maybe the answer will be really similar to what you already said. But if someone were to ask you to describe yourself, what would you say? I love, I love life. I love I love my God. I mm. everything. People don't know that part about me, though. Mm. About my Christian life and my Christian journey. I mm. have a lot of testimonies around that. Mm. But He's been faithful, so mm. He goes first, and mm. there I am. Mm. But Chinere, as a person, is and and I I love to have fun. I am I love to dress up, and I love quality time with myself. I. I'm, I'm a homebody. Mm. That's very difficult to, to grasp, I'm, mm. I'm sure. Mm. I'm a homebody. And I could stay in my house with my movies and, you know, read books and occasionally open my Bible, you know, for like the whole weekend and not be outside, not mm. even to throw out the garbage. 
but it's difficult for people to relate me with that personality mm. because I'm always out there. Yeah. 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 Hmm. That's interesting. So, you know, so would you describe yourself though as an extrovert or an introvert? Because it's, you seem very extroverted, but you've talked about being a homebody, which is more of an introversion, right? So what would you say? Would you say you're somewhere on the spectrum, but you're neither one nor the other? Yeah. But I, I think, you know, I would, no, I would put myself more as an extrovert, mm-hmm. completely an extrovert. Yeah. But there's also that piece of me that just enjoys just the, my me time more yeah. than even wanting to be out there, mm. you know, mm. um, you know, especially having my family and just, you know, having other things that take my time. Um, I find myself being more homebody than being out there. Mm. Talk to us a little bit as we start to wrap up, and I do want to speak some worry before we end, but talk to us a little bit about some of the failures. Because as we listen to you, we obviously, you're very accomplished, you're very driven, um, determined. I mean, we could just use all these adjectives to describe you. But I know that sometimes in life, some of the things that we learn the most from are the things that we don't succeed at. So I guess my question would be, what would you, what would come to mind if I asked you something that you'd failed at and what you learned from it? Does that make sense? Sure. Um, I would say one of my failures that um, I learned from was back in Nigeria, right after high school. And I was not very settled upstairs, Mm. like, you know, and a lot of my friends, you know, I mean, the normal progression was you you finished your school certification exam, you took the jam, and you went into uh, the university. Mm. That didn't happen with me because I was busy having too much fun. Mm. I wasn't settled. I wasn't studying. I wasn't, you know, and I think one of the days that I was even supposed to take the jam exam, I woke up that morning and I said, I just didn't want to go. I think that's what happened. Um, And I, I, I remember that I didn't like that part of my life. That was one of the reasons when I came here on vacation, I got into that plane. I boarded mm-hmm. that plane. Mm. It was Nigerian Airways at the time. Mm. I boarded that plane, and in that plane, I, I made myself a promise. And that promise was, I was going to take life serious. Hmm. I was going to be serious with my life. Hmm. I was going to map my life in such a way that my progression was, you could see the trajectory. Mm. So... That was my uh, promise to myself. Mm. Mm. Remember when I told you my brother wanted me to go back because mm-hmm. he thought it was too difficult and yes. all of that, and we didn't have the same vision. Mm. That was why we didn't have the same vision mm. because mm. that confidence I had with myself and my God while mm. I was airborne mm. Um, mm. changed everything for me. Mm. I mm. remember there was a friend of mine who was already here. She was, she had arrived a month before I got here. And she kept saying to me, Oh, come to Washington. Let's, you know, I have my own place now. Da, da, da. Come to Washington. I knew I didn't want to do that. Yes. I knew if I had done that, it would have derailed everything mm. 
I planned to do. Mm -hmm. And I said, no way. Mm. So Mm. I boarded that plane, made that promise to myself, went straight to my brothers because I knew they were going to be strict with me. Mm. I knew they were going to have me in line. Mm. Mm. And that was my saving grace. Mm. I could not have made a better decision Mm. than the Mm. decision to go straight to family. Mm. So my parents wanted me to come back and go to college because, you know, shortly before I left and I came, I I had gotten admission into uh, University of Benin. So I was already here in America and they called me and said, oh, you passed jam, blah, blah, Mm. blah. You got admission into Benin to study English. Mm. And I said, I wasn't coming back. Mm. Mm. And my father said to me, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I am not paying for you to be in the U.S. Mm. Mm. to go to college. Mm. And I called his bluff and I said, okay, Mm. Mm. I'll do it on my own. Mm. And that's exactly what I did Mm. until, um, think about two years. So he, you know, the relationship was a bit estranged. I mean, again, daddy's little girl. Yeah. uh, the relationship was a bit estranged and two years into being here and he was hearing good things about me Mm. supposedly Mm. I remember the letter he wrote to me and I remember the first few words he said in that letter Mm. and he started with my darling daughter Mm. Mm. first Mm. let me congratulate you on your bold venture Mm. Mm. And then it went on from there. Mm. And that was when I knew that he was happy. Yes. That I yes. made the move I made. Mm. Mm. And I didn't want to let them down. And mm. honestly, it's been glorious reviews from then on. Mm. That is amazing. So great. So great. Chinya, is there anything I should have asked or you'd love to let the audience know that I haven't asked? No, I think we've actually captured it. I mean, some stories are longer. You, you've gotten the clip version, <laughs> <laughs> most of them. Um, but I think we've uh, pretty much, uh, if you put them all together and fill in the, the spaces every now and then, you can write a bestseller. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. This has been so wonderful. Before you go, though, I want to to have some fun with speaking or worry because this is, of course, the Igbo initiative with celebrating the culture and the language. So I'm going to have you kick, well, actually, I will kick it off by just asking um, how you are. And I'm going to try my best to speak just the Oweri dialect. So just to <laughs> entertain the audience a little bit. So maybe do Bulaka, Jumageshe, Chinyeri, Dikole. ani <laughs> You know, make a 
<laughs> I don't know what else to say, but just for the audience, you got a little bit of the taste, the ishla, shla, shla. <laughs> we were just talking. Fun. Yeah, I don't even know if I need to translate, but just in case, we're just talking about what we did. I went running with a friend of mine, came back, and Chinya is saying she's going to do a little bit of exercise herself to stay in shape. But um, mm-hmm. this has been a fantastic discussion. And one of the things I love about doing this is I just get to see another side of people that I think that I know. And it's just so great. I, you know, I did not know that. I mean, of course, I knew you were accomplished. But it's just so nice to hear about how intentional you've been about life. And, of course, your faith in God. And, and it's been a fantastic discussion. So thank you so much for joining today. It was so much fun. Thank you. I've had fun. I've enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. I had so much fun talking in Igbo with Chini. <laughs> Although I had to concede defeat as her Oweri was on a much higher level than mine. I know you enjoyed this chat as much as I did. To contact Chinny, you can reach her by phone at 240-654-3589. Drop me a note, my dear friends. I am always happy to hear from you. We are building quite the engaged community and I appreciate every one of you. As always, you can reach me using the email address ugochi at theebo.com. Let me know what your favorite part of this interview was. Check out the website, www.theebo.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook, where we celebrate different Igbo women and learn new facts about our amazing culture. The handle is at Igbo Initiative. Talk to you again very soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.